The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Imagine this. ICMI, big CX event, hundreds of people. Some people have called you a thought leader. Your first opportunity with the mic in front of you. You have no idea who, who the audience is. What you do know is your partner, your co-panelist, your co-presenter, Nate Brown, has asked you to dress up as Mario and Mario Brothers. <laughs> You do not normally get dressed up, maybe once on Halloween. You're putting your professional reputation on the line to go speak to a bunch of people that you don't know who they are. They're pretty important people. They paid money to go to this event. True. Your CX reputation is on the line, and you're dressed as Mario, and you're walking through that hall. And But what you see is you're walking through that hall next to Nate dressed as Mario, and he is Luigi. People start looking. <laughs> and this energy is growing and growing and people are looking at you and people are following. And next thing you know, there's 250, 300 people in that room. Standing room only. Standing room only. <laughs> there might have been maybe normally 50 to 75 people. This was not a keynote. <laughs> it turned into standing room only and your, your mine, reputation is on the line. <laughs> And you're dressed as Mario. But you know what? It worked out beautifully because that presentation destroyed it. It just oh, destroyed it. That was fun. Because Nate's energy just kicked that presentation off. And it was his idea. And he asked me to take a chance, roll the dice with him, get dressed up, get in a character. And we got in a character. And people still, five years later, <laughs> talk about that presentation. And they, they remember it. This is Fireside Chats Without the Fires. We have an amazing guest, the one and only, the one and only, not Luigi, Nate <laughs> Brown. Nate, we brought the fire. The fire's us. here, Neil. It's here. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it is here, man. I, uh, I just got goosebumps as I got to introduce <laughs> Nate Brown on this podcast. Paul Catherall, Neil Toff, co-creators, co-hosts of Fireside Chats Without the Fires. It is amazing. It's the end of July, July 31st. 2020 we have just completing we're just completing ing the first half of this year and what a way to complete the first half of this year and to have nate brown in our presence nate it's, it's wonderful to have you thank you for joining us it's a great pleasure and neil uh what i didn't tell you in that session is that was pretty much my first session as well i had no idea what i was doing and we crushed it together let's call it beginner's luck but i mean that that for me was a critical moment a turning point for me to know i i want to do this I want to help others and I want to present the information I'm learning. And so it was such a pleasure that uh, having you do that with me and taking that initial step. Thank you. That was great, man. It's, it's great to see how things have evolved. Uh, I think that 100% uh, of our listeners will know who Nate Brown is. If you don't know who <laughs> Nate Brown is, uh, I don't want to ask you what's wrong with you. But just go out and follow him. Get on LinkedIn. <laughs> follow him. Go on Twitter. Remind me, yeah, customer is first, right? Is, 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 is your handle, right? Customer yep. is first. Uh, I'm going to do the difficult job of trying to introduce this background and summarize a 
bunch of amazing years and experiences. If you look on Nate's LinkedIn profile, he is currently the chief experience officer at Officium Labs and the co-founder of the CX Accelerator. In addition to a ton of other things, it would be it's hard to do this any justice. Every time if you look on Google or on LinkedIn, there is a ranking of CX thought leaders. He's on every single one of them. Not on some of them. Not on one like me. I'm fortunate to get on one, maybe two in a, in, in a year period. Nate is on every single one of them, and he's not like the guy at the bottom of the list like where I am. He's at the top of the list, and that's why it is amazing God. to have this guy with us. We just love you, Nate. Tell us quickly, for those of us who don't know, and this is your opportunity, make this plug shameless, as shameless as you sure. can. What is Officium Labs? What do you do there? Tell the audience about Officium Labs. Yeah, Officium Labs is, is a really neat startup. Uh, we we started a, a year ago. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary, and it's been such a fun year. Jerry Leisure, our CEO, has, has an incredible vision, building the future of customer service in a lot of ways. And we're a network company. We're trying to associate um, the, the great brands with some of the greatest people out there and uh, take advantage of this remote work trend that, that exists today. And and do it in a way where we're really going to decentralize wealth, decentralize human capital, open up great jobs and opportunities and communities that maybe historically have not been able to work with those companies and, and really bring wealth into those communities and do it in such a way that that employee experience, that agent experience that we create for those employees is, is going to be absolutely exceptional. So we want to have the highest quality support possible for these organizations and the greatest working opportunities possible for these individuals that engage with us. Um, that's really the heart of it. And then we have transformational consulting and some thought leadership services that we offer as well. So it's been a, it's been an awesome ride. Officiumlabs.io. Go check us out. So in your role as chief experience officer, tell us a little bit. What does that mean? What do you do? What's your day to day, to day like? I mean, of course, we see you, you know, podcast, you're interviewing people, you're keynoting. We know those things, but what is your role at Officium as the Officium Chief Experience Officer? Tell us what that's like. Yeah, I mean, I love the expanding scope of CX because I, I have the the honor and privilege of, of helping to lead and guide the employee experience as part of that. So it, it's uh, using poll surveys and employee engagement program, uh, both inside of Officium and inside of our customers in many cases, um, to help to improve and strategize around employee experience. And then, of course, do the work of CX do the, the listening path mapping, do the journey mapping, um, helping in the contact center operations, building out uh, improved knowledge bases, hel helping with training, getting people excited and encouraged around how we can serve customers really well. So it's doing that work of CX. And then the other side is the evangelist. So, I mean, Jerry and, and Officium has made it possible for me to, to be an evangelist for how important customer experience is. And I just have a, a tremendous amount of freedom to be able to, to make this work uh, as encouraging, as fun as it possibly can be for those that are doing it. So I, I want to bring that energy and excitement to the field. I want to encourage those that are doing this critical work. Because really what I believe, Neil, is that when we do customer experience well, we're making people's lives better and easier. We're taking the friction and the stress out, and we're allowing people to live better lives. I mean, that, I know everybody loves to say we're making lives better, but in this work, we truly are. And as we do that, we're earning the right to grow our business, to attract new customers, to gobble up that market segment, and, and to be that competitive differentiator that, that can never be copied and pasted like so many products and, and services can be commoditized. Uh, the, the competitive differentiator today is customer experience, and, and I want to help people to, to see that and to be able to do it well. What's it like being on the other side of the coin? So uh, when I met you, 
you were with UL, Underwriter Laboratories. You were in the operation. You were leading teams, much like Paul is doing in, in his world, much like mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, in the op we're leading operations. You're on the other side of it now. You are going into companies that have these operations and fixing them. Mm -hmm. um, what's that like having made the crossover? It's difficult. It's easy. Do you miss being on this, on Paul and my side of it? Or are you really much happier now on, on the side where you're at? There was a learning curve for sure. It, it took about two months for me to get over the hump in terms of that question of what the heck have I done? <laughs> I was so happy in my job at UL. It was very comfortable. In many ways, it was easy for me. Uh, but I, I knew that it was time uh, to become more an evangelist in the CX space and to challenge myself and to be able to accelerate my own learning and my own capability to drive meaningful results by, by being able to get in front of more leaders inside of more organizations to see more, to be a part of more things. And, and the consultant role was just a perfect fit for me. So it, it was incredibly overwhelming for those first two months because I was on the road so much trying to learn a new industry with the gaming space, trying to learn a, a brand new set of customers and, and also make that swap uh, between practitioner to, to more of a consultant type of individual. And uh, it was incredibly overwhelming, but I feel like in March, I kind of clicked in and it felt very natural. And I, I just love the heck out of this role and what I'm getting to do and, and how fun it is to be able to, to really move quickly <laughs> to, to help others on this path of CX and, and to have, I just feel like I can connect so many more dots now. Like I, before, you know, I just felt kind of stuck a lot of the times I felt like I, and it was really my own mental prison that I was in. You know, I, I wasn't being trapped by anybody but myself. But something about moving into the role at Officium almost just opened my mind to the possibilities of bringing in all this knowledge that I've collected from these great authors, from my own experience at UL, and being able to offer a lot of that treasure trove to, to many different individuals and in many different contexts. It's been awesome. So that's a perfect segue into the next question. Um, that treasure trove, that exposure, uh, that multi-channel experience that you're going through now as a leader in this particular role. Tell what you see in the future, because we've, we, we, we all know the present. There's so many things going on. There's metrics, there's operations, there's platforms, there's technology, there's channels, there's automation, there's non-automation, there's live agents, there's in-house, there's outsourcing, there's onshoring, there's offshoring, all that stuff that Paul and I deal with all day long in our particular operations. But one thing I think we would really like to know and the audience would like to know, what does that next gen CX metric world look like? Mm. What is the, what's in the future? What's the next generation of what we have to look forward to and really actually prepare for now? Because Paul and I are trying to figure out in our own operations, how do we lead these things? What are, the, yeah. what are we supposed to be benchmarking against? Are we just looking at CSAT and looking at service levels? Or what kind of talk to us, man? What's in the, what's in the future what we have to look forward to here? Ooh, yeah, I wish I could could uh, go on this for a long time. I obviously I won't, and I have some some fun slides on this. So please ping me if you're out there and you want to know more about this. Let, let's really have a conversation around this. But uh, as as a primer, uh, so I mean NPS is old enough to have its own driver's license. I mean net promoter score system, whatever you want to call it. I mean it it's a teenager, and it it's an angry teenager. Um, and, and, and we really need to move beyond and outside of that. There is value in that metric in terms of benchmarking and some other things. It, it can be there, but so few people, and, and I've tried, uh, so few people can take NPS and meaningfully correlate that to an actual financial metric. 
And we've got all these great stats out there. Bob Thompson has produced some. 93% of CX initiatives are failing to demonstrate meaningful value inside of their organization. It's because of these legacy metrics we're using. CSAT, NPS, they, they don't correlate. They're, they're just a standalone metric that has a hypothetical rating of how well we're treating our customers. But as we increase that, it does not mean anything necessarily to the actual financial results of the company. So we've got to switch that. We have to understand what, what can we do in the world of CX when we make the, the customer experience better? It has to generate increased loyalty, improve customer lifetime value, improve share of wallet. These, these are the metrics over here that we need to be looking at. And we need to figure out what are the customer experience metrics that are going to correlate to that loyalty. One that is just fantastic is customer effort score. That is a next generation metric. And that does, and in my experience, that does correlate to loyalty. And as you move outside of and beyond of customer support, which is where you ask the ease, the, the traditional effort score question, you get into ease of business. How easy is it to, biz, to do business with X? You can ask that in the sales stage. You can ask that in implementation. And that idea of being easy to, to do business with, being that customers value their time above all else, <laughs> if, if you can hit the mark in that area of being easy to do business with, it will correlate to loyalty 90% of the time, if not more. So, I mean, that's one opportunity for you. If you're in the software world, another next-gen metric is the software usability scale. That's how you measure good UX, good software. And that too is based in the question of, is it easy to use this software? So they have very intelligently tapped into the power of, of bringing friction out of the experience as Shep Hyken has been writing about so well, as Matt Dixon originally wrote about so well. I mean, that, that's just such a critical concept. These next-gen metrics are really tapping into that. Uh, you know, another one that's out there is uh, Gene, Gene Bliss's customer growth engine. Such a great metric and such a mic drop capability for a CX professional who's trying to just offer a 20,000 foot view of are we earning the right to grow this business through great customer experience or not? And what that metric is, it's just a measurement of the volume and the value of your customers. You look at that in like Q1, 2020, volume, value in whole numbers. Then you look at that again in Q2, whole numbers, volume, value of customers. Have we gone up? Have we organically increased our customer base? Yes or no? And then the magic question of why. If we have lost customers, if the decisions that we have made together as a business has resulted in less customers in this period of time, it's a wake-up call. You, you can't hide behind a hypothetical NPS score at that point. You've got whole numbers you're looking at. And we all know that it's so much easier to retain customers and to grow new customer relationships out of good customer relationships. That's how sales works today. Your acquisition engine is rooted in your ability to serve customers well. <laughs> so that customer growth engine, using that as a next-gen metric just to be able to summarize, are we doing this work well or not? Are we driving new business through great customer service? That, that is a good foundational metric to be using. And then inside of that, you, you can look at these more granular metrics. And NPS, CSAT, uh, customer effort score um, to, to, to really be able to inform and get actionable insights into that customer growth engine. But there, there's a couple. There's a few next-gen metrics that you can really use to get beyond the traditional thinking and correlate your important work of CX to an actual business result. This is sensational. So we heard, we heard this is just, you mic dropped it. NPS is an angry 
teenager. <laughs> I don't think there's any any other spin we can put on that. That one speaks for itself. But I'm hearing of the top three here, usability, scale is a great one. Mm. How easy is it to do business with me? Yeah. And the customer growth engine. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, we got to do some research. We got to do some reading on these things. Yeah. Get ourselves educated on this. This is sensational. One thing, Nate, that, that, that strikes me here is that um, the things you just spoke about certainly affect and are driven in part by the contact center. Those of us that are in the operation, that are on the phones, on, on chats, uh, answering emails, programming IVRs, but also much of what you've just talked about, it involves the journey, the overall journey from yeah. pre-acquisition to acquisition mm-hmm. to transaction and then post-transaction. Contact center is just a part of this and maybe even just a small part of it, right? This is a, this is a true continuum of, of the entire universe. Yeah. So true. And I, I see a lot of customer experience initiatives that, that start that are rooted in the contact center, but then move beyond and start to encourage and help the organization to evolve their mentality towards customer centric journey thinking and experience design thinking. So I, as somebody that has done this, when I first got into customer experience, Neil, I was, I was managing the customer service center and realized that Many things were just rolling downhill that were not good things. And, and it was so reactive in nature. Let's fix this problem again and again and again. Let's fix these same problems again and again and again. And, the, and it was the effortless experience that helped me to wake up and be like, we can fix these problems upstream. We can design a better experience, a, a, a frictionless experience upstream that will not only make our department so much better and prevent this agent burnout of people having to solve the same problem again and again, the customer experience will be so much better. And so aggressively, I started pushing up, pushing out, expanding the scope of this mentality and and thinking, how can we serve our customers better together and coordinate this effort? Mic drop, mic drop. I I think it would be easy for us to continue to hit play and let this conversation go on. There's lots of ideas we can continue to push here, but for the sake of brevity, we're going to ask you, you must come back. Okay. You, yes. Mandated. You've got to come back and, <laughs> come back and join us on a, on a next session because there's, there's some really important material and we justice trying to limit it to, to, you know, two, three, four, five, five additional minutes. In, in the way that this. Mario would never leave peach hanging in the castle. I will never leave you hanging. Exactly. <laughs> Love it, man. Excellent tie in. Uh, let's start as, as we wind down typically as we do on this session, Paul, I think we want to jump into and ask Nate, three specific questions yeah. the first one being nate drop a little more knowledge on us bust a myth take <laughs> yeah. these acts to the cx myth of your choice tell the audience what you're going to bust down yeah i mean I, I think you know given that we're both in the in this great bpo space uh you know i think it'd be important to note that uh bringing people in from the outside is not compromising quality <laughs> I mean, the the best customer service centers are those that intelligently mix internal resource with with hybrid resources, um, with with those type of resources that the the very best that you could do is is to bring people with certain expertise in from the outside and and get the best solution there that's ultimately going to result in a better customer experience overall. So this idea of a quality compromise, that's not it. You, you anybody should be thinking how can we best mix and leverage the the right bench of resources that exist out there so that that we can create the best solutions for our customers in in the lowest cost and in the best format for for all stakeholders involved what what do you think about that neil 
Well, I, I mean, it's obviously music to my ears as an outsourcer. <laughs> we have to deal with a lot of this every day of, yeah, but isn't outsourcing synonymous with dropping quality? Well, no, you're already outsourcing, I'm sure, business owner and, and stakeholders and shareholders. You're already probably outsourcing a segment or a portion or all of your accounting. You probably oh. have a chunk of your IT already outsourced. You're not in, in, you know, developing software and and thinking that, you know, I can do this better than Microsoft Excel, so I'm going to create my own spreadsheet software. No, you're already using tools. You know, there's portfolios of tools, benchmark of, of resources, like you said, out there. Yeah. Why not try to bring in the best talent? And it's oftentimes, I like what you said, it's a mix. Some of it's in-house, some of it's outsourced outside of the building, outside of your, your legal domain. Yeah. But it can be successful. What, what I found, and I think Paul, he's the one who does this so well every day. You have to have the right vendor manager, the person who is Absolutely. going to manage the process of what the in-house resources mm -hmm. are and the, the external resources and bring them in together so that whole uh, universe is hopefully seamless to the internal stakeholders and the external stakeholders, right? Yeah, uh, that vendor manager role is so critical. I, I, I was just I was so stubborn in my past life of just just I had a wrong view of this and, and I had a very elitist view of the fact that you know, bringing in people is, is just going to ruin our culture. It's going to ruin the quality of this. When in fact, I, I was just restricting options for for a reason of ignorance. So I, I wish that I had the same view that I have now. I, I could have done a much better job in that customer service role. <laughs> That's really great to hear. Let's uh, let's take it down to the second portion as we want as we wind down the CX quote that is most important for you. Yeah, the one that I've been loving of late. So I'm, I've got uh, two real quick that have been meaningful to me. One, this one came out of tribal leadership. So I, I did some writing for 8 by 8 Hello, Erica. And uh, this, this book, uh, Tribal Leadership, has just been fantastic for me as I think about CX and trying to, to collaborate and coordinate across departmental lines. So listen to this quote. Alignment to us means bringing pieces into the same line, the same direction. The metaphor is that a magnet will make pieces of iron point towards it. Agreement is shared intellectual understanding. Tribes are clusters of people, and people are complex and non-rational at times. If a tribe is united only by agreement, as soon as times change, agreement has to be reestablished. <laughs> so we, we get this, this shallow democratic agreement so often in the way that we do business and in the way that we try and move strategic initiatives forward. You know, I, I gave that 93% of CX initiatives are failing. Digital transformation, cultural transformations, the failure rate on those are equally as high. So it's just our ability to impact change that is suffering so much. But if, if we thought more about this way that alignment works <laughs> and that metaphor of, of making iron point towards a, a magnetic north, a, a true centralized north that is compelling, that is strong, that is clear, we're, we're going to be able to make people move forward with, with their CX practices faster. So I, I just love that quote. And then uh, real quick on this one, a company's brand promise is no longer what they put on their website. It's what one customer says to another. So this idea of we have to be ultra authentic in terms of what we put out to the world and what we say we are as a company, because CX is either going to make that real or it's going to make us a liar because <laughs> it's the customer that says who we are in, in today's age of customer marketplace. And it's not, it's not just what we put on our website anymore. I love that. I, I love that too. There's a thought that people define integrity. What is integrity? Well, integrity is what's happening when people are not looking. Yeah. Right? I think it's kind of, this is a parallel to that one. It's, it's mm. not what you as the brand say. It's not what you insist you're making your customers think. It's what they think. It's what they're telling themselves when you're not there, when you're not yeah. present in the room, right? Mm. I love it. I love it. 
let's wind this thing down. And this list is a prestigious list. <laughs> Who are your CX heroes? <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I, I love this question you asked. What a, what a great question. So I, I've got to start with Alex Mead. Huge shout out to Alex Mead. Uh, and happy birthday, Alex. I think this is being posted on your birthday. So we, we love you to death. You're such a challenger, man. I mean, you're just out there just dropping truth bombs left and right on LinkedIn. Uh, you've, you've just had me laughing and thinking. Uh, you've been challenging me, and, and I'm grateful for it. So thank you. Keith Kimmett, uh, you're just awesome. Your, your ability to merge technology and digital transformation and, and put it in really understandable terms and marry it into the world of CX uh, and your creativity in the CX world games, you, you just crushed it. You just blew me away. And you've been so great inside of CX Accelerator. So thank you to Keith. Shane Goldberg, too, for just being an incredible captain with the CX World Games. Put so much time and energy and creativity into that. Uh, you, you just you just got a heart of gold, and, and you've, got, you've got more energy uh, around this topic than I'll ever have, and, and I'm really looking up to you for everything you're doing out there. Christopher Brooks, uh, this is somebody, he, he created the CX World Games, and I mean, he's just so great at the psychology behind CX. I had a conversation with him last week. And I, I think my mouth was literally open as, as I just listened to, to some of the, the the correlations he was drawing as we get into the thoughts and behaviors and the science behind why people do what they do and how that makes a difference to CX. So a uh, huge shout out to Chris Brooks, uh, Veronica Rose. Uh, you, you're just such an awesome support leader. It's such a pleasure working with you. Uh, you. You have an incredible way of bringing the best out of your team and and just uh, <laughs> and just being yourself. And, and making a really fun environment to be a part of. So a huge shout out to Veronica. Jerry Leisure uh, for your boundless creativity and just your fearless leadership of Officium. I'm, I'm just in awe of some of the things that you're doing and just, uh, you know, we, we, we think we're on a path and then you just, you come up with something even bigger and better. It's, it's just that you never know. And it's awesome and it's exciting. So thank you. And then uh, last but not least to, to Cindy Nelson, um, who who is uh, my marketing person at Officium, and you have just been killing it. You're so good. Uh, she she says she's new to CX, but I mean her her intuition, her gut in this field is just spot on, and uh, you just make my life so much better and easier. And I just appreciate you so much. So th those are those are a handful of my heroes, and of course Paul and Neil. Uh, you all and all the effort you've been putting in with this incredible podcast that you're building. And I, I've just, I've, I've loved following the two of you for a long time. So thank you. Thank you, Nate. This has been sensational. I think that list, by the way, so if you mentioned one, two, three, four, six, I think seven people, that's a pretty prestigious list. If you are considered a CX hero by our CX hero, <laughs> Nate Brown, uh, great list, great, great, great small club to be a part of. Um, you know, what's interesting that just to, before we wrap up, you mentioned things, CX Games, CX Accelerator. The, this is not your father's CX world as we all grew up in a <laughs> CX group, right? The, the, yeah. There are concepts and ideas and organizations that are coming out. People are incredibly creative mm. and it's changing and it's evolving. And maybe it's because we all have a lot of time on our home at, at home now that people are thinking more. But there's an amazing burst of creativity in this CX world. It's no longer service levels and, and, and just CSAT and NPS. CX games, who would have thought a year ago there'd be something called the CX games? It's brilliant. Incredible. Yeah, yeah I mean, I really think that's, uh, that's something, it's a call to action based on the fact that it wasn't working. <laughs> the old playbook was failing. And what a wake-up call that CX professionals were like, we got to do something different.
we we need to evolve and quickly and people are it's it's awesome to see paul how do we wrap this baby up man like what words can we possibly offer to wrap up this session with nate brown i'm putting you on the spot i know yeah i don't i don't even know if i have the words i'm 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 just not because I'm, i'm disappointed far from it this has been a fantastic podcast and i i uh, the reason I've been so quiet is I'm in awe, Nate. I'm a little bit starstruck, if I'm honest with you. So <laughs> my, goal, my goal over the next two to three years is to get on your CX Heroes list. So the next time you're either on this podcast or on another podcast, I hope you either call out myself or or Neil. And I know that you're on the C- you you get mentioned a lot in the CX you know thought leaders list. And Neil, you say you've been mentioned once. I think it's a little bit more than once. I think it's more, more than once. So yeah, it's 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 an absolute pleasure to. To be able to do this podcast with you, Nate, it's been one of my goals to meet you, um, and I'm I am over the moon, and I'm going to have a stiff drink after this just to calm. <laughs> it's, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so so much for your time. I'm going to drink Neil's CX smoothie over there. <laughs> I need a recipe for that. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. No, more on, more on that one. Let's wrap this baby up. Let's let Nate go do his thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, audience, July thirty first. Wow. The final day of the six-month beginning portion of 2020, we wrapped it up with the Nate Brown, and he just, <laughs> as he always does, dropped knowledge on us. It was a lot of fun. Nate, you already promised. You're on the hook. The audience has heard you. You're coming back. We loved having you. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Have a great day. Thank you, Nate. Take care. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.